As a kid, Matt Mordark loses everything. First, his sight, then his dad. After not playing ball with the gang, he works for in a boxing match. Now grown up, Murdoch's a lawyer by day and vigilante by night. He is daredevil. Hello, everyone. I'm Caleb Bouget. I'm Connor Izagari. And welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bad. <laughs> well if you haven't guessed by my i would say best introduction for a movie i i felt it in that one um we are talking not about the tv show about 2003 superhero film daredevil the other one to a lot of fans uh as a lot of people know for the mcu was a thing uh pre-2008 there was the occasional comic book film here and there right um problem is quality wasn't exactly guaranteed with this stuff you just had to hope for the best for every spider-man there was a fantastic four and even then, for every X2, there was an X-Men last stand. So, hey, take what you can get. Um, so, but with that said, while the actual version has gone down in infamy in regards to the this film, and a surprising turn of events-ish, uh, the home video release director's cut would actually get better received and has been clamored uh, better received by fans and critics alike. Um, and now, after a very well-received Netflix show, um, spoilers if you haven't seen this damn movie yet I hope you have um, an appearance in the newest Spider-Man movie No Way Home the character himself has probably never been more popular than ever so he's in a really good place now post since this film came out um, but that's it before we get too into it I want to shoot it to Connor for the scores well first off I would just like to say welcome to Beyond the Bad Ben Affleck we have been dancing around our kind of I'd say deep dislike of the man uh, for a lot of random episodes of all of our shows. And now he's here and we're going to skewer this guy. Uh, but first <laughs> daredevil has a 43% on rotten tomatoes and a 35 audience score. So not as bad as some of the other films we've covered here, but still, you know, shitty for a Marvel movie. Curtis consensus reads while Ben Affleck fits the role and the story is sporadically interesting. Daredevil is ultimately a dull, brooding origin story that fails to bring anything new to the genre. And I think that's fair. Uh, it's, you know, it's basically Batman. It's almost, it's pretty similar. Uh, but, you know, we have, like, like you said, the director's cut's a much better movie. Um, I actually really like the director's cut. Uh, it's been a minute since I watched a the theatrical cut. And yeah, it's terrible. I have not seen the director's cut. I've owned this one, and I watched it when it. Came, I remember watching it when it came out. Like we rented it from Video Video Shack, so it was called in Blanco. Because remember, if you were in a small town, you didn't have a blockbuster. You had some shittily named small video rental store that you used. Um, ours was called Video Shack. Um, I remember we rented it from there, and I was really excited. I was like, "Ooh, super fun! Cool." 
and it was after I seen Spider Man, so it was kind of like, oh, cool, Marvel. What, what, what do they got next? I remember watching this. I remember being bored. Uh, my dad definitely didn't seem very interested as the movie was playing. He seemed really just like, what am I watching? And I hadn't seen it since. So this is my first time watching it since 2003. Um, and I gotta say, uh, nope, didn't hold up one bit. I was so sitting there going, oh, okay, now I see why I wasn't interested as a kid. It's all coming together. Yeah, fair enough. I get it. This, if this is the movie you're watching, you're not going to have a good time. But the director's cut adds another half hour to this film, gives you much more character development, has a whole subplot with Coolio that adds something to the movie, which is the first time I've ever thought Coolio added something to anything. And it's a much tighter movie, which is also rated R. So it's a lot more violent and visceral. So yeah, it's I don't know why the studio decided to chop this up. Uh, maybe I'll find out. But it's uh, it's worth it to check out the director's cut. It's a much different experience. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm going to take a read on it because I haven't seen it. But before I get into the production we keep hitting at, I would like to know for my question of the week, I guess like a two-parter really here. Um, in regards to the theatrical version, if you want to expand a little on your personal take on this adaptation, like when you saw it and all that good stuff, um, on this take, not worrying about director's cut right now. And mm-hmm. then what do you think about the newest the newest take, the the Charlie Cox uh, take on the character? Okay. So I saw Daredevil at the movies in 2003 because I've been a comic book fan my entire life. And it began with, with movies like Spider-Man and X-Men and Daredevil. Uh, I was willing to forgive a lot of bad shit in movies when I was a kid because I just really like comic books and I'm like superheroes wow I love Daredevil I love all the X-Men movies I love the Fantastic Four I, the only one I didn't like even as a kid was Hulk which I still find funny <laughs> even then I was like this isn't great <laughs> but um, Daredevil some about it just I enjoyed um, I remember writing a fan letter to Ben Affleck that I never mailed where I was like I really liked your movie <laughs> He writes back. Thank God, one of one of you does. No, he'd probably probably be like, "Damn kid, you're what? Like, you, you kids are the reason I drink." <laughs> it's not just his kids he doesn't like. I would imagine. I would uh, imagine it's kids and apparently exes that are oppressive. <laughs> but he went uh, back to me. I just want to point that out. Yeah. Um, this is a movie where him and Jennifer Garner met. Uh, if only she'd known. So then, so I've always had kind of a soft spot for this movie. Uh, but the theatrical cut is pretty is pretty rough. It's it's. I was reading in my uh, when I was doing my what's in the box. Uh, one of the letterbox reviews I didn't pick mentioned that there's no second act to this movie. Everyone's just introduced and then they fight. Like there's no build up to anything, which is crazy. I never realized that, but yeah, it's just it just happens. Yeah. I- I'll get into it in our awards, but there's some there's the structure of this film is um, a big part of one of my awards, if you will. Um, so I'll save it for later. But yeah, the the structure of this film, oh my god, did it just annoy the shit out of me? It's it's a horrendous structure. Yeah, straight up. Um, the new Daredevil, I really like Charlie Cox. He's an actor I I liked before I before he was cast as Daredevil, and I thought he's a great choice. The first season of Daredevil is almost flawless. It's such a great 
introduction to this guy. I love the the cast. I love D'Onofrio's Kingpin. I love uh, Eldon Henson's Foggy. I thought he was good. Um, season two kind of lost me with the whole hand stuff, but the Punisher shit was perfect. I feel the same way. Love season one. Season two's Punisher and Daredevil segment was great. And then when they did the hand stuff, it, I lost. I did like the lady that played Electra. I didn't enjoy that, but that was about it. Yeah. Uh, she was good. I really did not like the Defenders. I wanted so much from that, and I still have not watched season three because the Defenders yeah, have such a bad taste in my mouth. I, I know it's on Disney Plus now, and it's canon, so I know you're, you're really big on canon. Yeah. But I also understand if you don't want to get through all the fucking shows yet, I do highly recommend season three of Dough Devil. It is like season one quality to me. I remember I actually I benched it in like two days when it okay. came out. I was like, I was hooked. Um, they go, it, I'm not gonna spoil too much, but like they go back to you know Kingpin and like it's it's fucking good. I remember after seeing that, and then they got announced that you know they were canceling all their shit because whatever was going on at the time. I was mad because I was like, no, I want a season four because I really liked what you guys did with three. Well, clearly Marvel's got plans for Daredevil right now. Otherwise, they wouldn't have brought him back into Spider-Man No Way Home. So Charlie Cox appears to be in this for the long haul. So I think we are going to get more Daredevil in one way or another. Yeah. And also, if you like the hallway fight scene in season one, dude, there's a the prison escape one take hmm. season three and it's fucking epic it's like as there's a prison riot happening it is oh it's fucking good i'm telling you season three is solid in my opinion i'll probably go back to it like you said you know all that's supposed to be canon now i'm gonna have to stomach season two of iron fist and all that shit i'm gonna have to if it's canon although i can't imagine that ever comes up again in the mcu (laughs) any of this i think daredevil is the only thing they're gonna keep daredevil and i'm hearing rumors of it also being punisher might be kept that would be good too. I've, I've been rumbling that they really are trying to keep Andrew, Andrew John Bernthal as Punisher. Well, that would be that, great. Would, that would be cool. He was yeah, the best. That would be cool. Um, yeah, no, I'm, this is a case where I'm actually really glad watched all of the uh, now so you, I don't have to go back and try to catch up but I've watched it I'm good that's good I, I ended up after the defenders I was like no <laughs> I'm done I, I it was a tough decision because I remember when I sat through first sent through all of season one of Iron Fist so I'm just kind of like going God this is so fucking bad and I'm like defenders has to be better and I watched that and went oh it's also bad and it, at that point, I was like, do I keep watching? Do I, do I? And I was like, ah, mm, it's supposed to be canon. Fuck. I, I did finish The Punisher because I wanted more Burnfall. And I got my own issues with that. I think I talked at length about that when I did my Filmgasm episode on The Punisher. So go back there and listen to that. But yeah. we're here to talk I, about yeah. Daredevil. Yeah. I will just say quickly before we get back to Daredevil. I like Andrew. I can't want to say Andrew Lincoln. John Bernthal. Why? <laughs> Basically, told me there's rumors talking to Andrew Lincoln. So now they're about to get Shane and Rick in the fucking MCU, possibly. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but uh, I really like John Bernthal's take. I like the first season a good amount. I fucking loathe 
loathe what they did with Jigsaw in season two. Yep. Pissed That's why I don't off. care for season two. Yeah, they fucked that story yeah. up so bad. Yeah, and the fact they tried to justify it, oh my god. Um yeah, with that said, Daredevil. Um, yeah, like I said, you know, I I didn't see we rented it. I didn't really latch on to it when they were announcing the Marvel Netflix stuff. I wasn't as familiar with Charlie Car- I had never heard of the guy before the show. I just remember they were like, "Hey, this is who's playing Daredevil." The show's coming out. I was like, "Oh, okay, cool. We're getting Daredevil show." So I liked the character. I really liked the character of Daredevil. So I was like, "Oh, okay," and it's going to be like a more adult show and stuff like that. And you know, with the casting of Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson first, I'm like, "God, this is." Damn, okay. And I was like, yeah, I watched that first scene. I was hooked. I was like, dude, this is fucking good. Like, the hallway fight scene, the moment they laid, like, to me, the, uh, as far as the violent is concerned with that, and they laid, to me, the gauntlet down the moment he starts bashing that dude's head in with the car door, and I went, oh, okay. This is the kind of show it's going to be. Got it. Sweet. Yeah, I remember that. I like the, the kind of black ninja costume he had. And I know some people like you know pushed back on the the final costume, but I, I liked it. I don't. Yeah, I thought it was cool. I like the the way he gets it. You know, working with that guy who make uses the special material and all that. It. Yeah. it, it Honestly, after, after seeing this movie, I liked it better than this movie's costume. I'll say it. You mean like the leather jacket get up didn't do it for you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's some bad costuming in this movie. It, yeah oh boy um but yeah i mean i don't have much else i, I figured i'd like kind of see what you're at because i know you're really into this movie so i'm I into have, the I don't have I'm, much- I'm into the director's cut make that very clear that's a good movie the theatrical cut which we're talking about today is is dog shit okay keep keep trying to justify yourself <laughs> If you have nothing more to add, though, I can move on to Development Hell and we can dig into this goddamn movie that went through quite a bit before it ever got made. All right. Follow me on a journey. <laughs> it starts in 1997. Mm. Keep in mind, this film didn't come out until 2003. Off to not a great good. start, aren't we? Yeah, not a good sign for a decent production, but yeah, continue. Yes. All right, so former studio known as 20th Century Fox. Option the rights from Marvel Enterprises, another long-gone fucking studio. (laughs) Believe this or not, let's see how you feel about this. Chris Columbus set to direct this film. Now, was it going to be PG and feature some kind of heartwarming reunion between a child and his mom? Otherwise, no. It's going to take place in Hogwarts. <laughs> I'd watch Blind Young Daredevil at Hogwarts. He kills Harry Potter for all the story. He gets motion about that. Why, why would he kill Harry Potter? I don't know. <laughs> He's a good guy. They're both good guys. Anyway, yeah. Chris Columbus just does not sound like the kind of guy to helm a superhero franchise, which I'm assuming Fox intended this to be. Uh you are correct. I don't know what they were thinking for Chris Columbus, though. But, but, one year later, 1998, gotta keep track of these dates, guys, uh, Marvel was facing bankruptcy. Um, and 
just so you know, like in the 90s, a lot from what I recall in my comic book history, a lot of the comic book, especially the big wigs, DC and Marvel, were facing bankruptcy in the 90s. It was a it was a rough decade in the 90s for comics at the time. Um well, you were gonna say what what's up? Uh, nothing. I can continue. Uh so while that was happening, uh Fox allowed the option to expire. So they were mm. like, ah, fuck it, shit's not bankruptcy, we don't care anymore. Another fun little to fate, if you were Disney, the future fucking rights holders for almost all things Marvel now, began negotiations to acquire the rights not too long after, in 98 still. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. You could say the they had their eyes set on the ball already. Eyes were on the prize in 98. It took, you know, almost like what, well over a decade and so later to finally get the everything though. But another year later, in 1999, those negotiations failed. So Marvel now set up Columbus Pictures, Columbia, whatever. And people spider. So. They're like, hey, oh yeah, Columbus. Sorry, Columbus Pictures. I had to make sure I had it written down right. Um, Columbia. It's Columbia. You're correct. Columbia. I, I wrote it wrong in the script. Columbia Pictures. So now at this time, um, Columbia, uh, Columbus, the director, that's why I fucked up my script. Sorry, follow my script. I was typing everything. Still on board to direct. He hasn't left. He's still on board. Um, and his uh, I guess his co-screenwriter Carlo Carly Carly, I don't know how to say the last name. It's spelled C R C A R L E I. So I, 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 yeah, I'm not a loss on that one. Um, but they co-wrote a script before they got booted because Mark Stephen Johnson proceeded to sign on to write the screenplay. Mm. That dude has fucked up quite a few superhero movies. Yeah. So as you can see, we don't have the same studio anymore, and now Columbus is out. We have this new screenwriter that's now writing the screenplay all in the span of three years. We've now, what, this is studio number three that has attempted to do this. And it's not over. Because by 2000, another year later, for some reason, uh, Sony... No, I lied. Oh, yeah, now I'm right. Uh, by 2000, because the two companies, and okay, before I say this, let's keep in mind that when this happened, ladies and gentlemen, the internet was not what it was today. All right. With that said, Sony decided to cancel the project because the two companies reportedly could not come to an agreement over internet rights. <laughs> that's, that's, that's wonderful. Yep. That's why I prefaced with the internet thing. Everyone's wondering, well, why is that a thing? By 2000, it wasn't like we still had dial-up shit going on if you even had a computer in your house. So they so. were just like, who's going to make this website? <laughs> ah, Sony's drop, been dropping the ball for a long time. Yeah, it's it's amazing the amount of people that are big players now in a lot of stuff that were circling this fucking project. 
Real, real quick aside, in the opening credits of the film, do you also smile when you saw executive producer Kevin Feige? I have something on him, too. <laughs> All right. Ah, I wonder if you regret seeing what I have printed here. Um, with that said, though, Sony's has canceled project. So now with that, obviously, that means Columbia is out because guess who fucking owns Columbia? Sony. So they're... <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> so now the company that you probably, I'm sure if you were watching the opening credits, you noticed their name pop up, New Regency. They finally enter the picture. They enter negotiations and offer a more satisfying offer, which, again, 2000s, because Mike's and everything, and this was a satisfying offer. 2000s, this was pre-MCU. Um which involved them attaining the character rights from Marvel to produce the film and Fox would handle the distribution. Okay. Yeah. Again, for those who are thinking, how's that more satisfying because Marvel doesn't have the rights? 2000s, and Cinematic Universe was not being thought of. Like, they were just trying to get this shit out there. So this sounded great to them. Yeah, it's simpler times. <laughs> yes. And at this point, because out with Columbia, the writers also went out like this literally was just completely scrapped once once Sony decided to cancel it. You would think, oh, they'll get a new writer? Nope, they rehired Tronson um, with his script turned in uh, in 2001. So we finally have a turned in script, a company going for it. We're on on good footing now. Only took four years. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> four years and about as many studios dared like and this is before an x-men movie this is before a spider-man movie like i wonder what it was about daredevil they're like that's the one we want <laughs> i don't know this will be the one to rule them all <laughs> um uh well now because of this Technically, because it's now 2001 at this point, I want to say X Men's come out, Spider Man's getting ready to come out. Like yeah. now, they're actually kind of like late on the ball. <laughs> so, because of that, uh, prior to actually shooting, so if they turn the screen by 2001, the film comes out in 2003, theoretically, what I'm about to say to keep everything in perspective, people, the film would probably have shot late 2001, early 2002. Yeah, fair so enough. At this point, yeah, I want to say Spider Man was out at this point. The first one. I wonder if that was uh, intimidating. You know, as this thing's starting to develop, you get this super successful X Men movie, the super successful Spider Man movie, X Men Two, hmm? and Blade. And yeah, Blade. and they're just like building this thing. I wonder if they had doubts on production. Like, Jesus, there's no way this is going to be as good as as that movie. <laughs> well, and this is what we get into this particular producer and good old Feige, mm. and that's why I want to make sure. We're aware of what was out at the time that these comments were sent. Producer Gary Foster, I'll say him first, said this would be a more character-driven, darker, and edgier film compared to other comic book-based movies. I want to pause because what I have noticed in the early fucking 2000s, why did everything have to be edgier than what came before? I blame a lot of that on Evanescence. I hear that in so many fucking like home productions back from there. Like everything was, it's going to be edgier. 
darker. I I don't know. And I I honestly I don't know, but you know what? The director's cut was everything that that guy just said that he wanted from a Daredevil movie. We got in the director's cut. But yeah, and just, yeah, and I don't know. It's just funny to me. So you have that comment in the look of the film. I'm like, was this like a thing? Because you have this for super films for horror, you had Underworld getting ready to come out. It's like this weird, like unified look of like it has to be dark, it has to be edgier, and have the same fucking look for every film that wants to do this. It's just <laughs> it's fine to me, the style of that time. I'm kind of nostalgic for it, but I'll get into that later. Um with that said, uh with that said. Um, now for the man, the myth, the legend, Marvel Studios executive, Kevin motherfucking Feige. Kev. Kev dog. <laughs> man in charge of one of the most insanely profitable, successful, and popular goddamn franchises to grace the big screen in history said this about the script he felt it was one of the strongest comic scripts marvel had received oh there was a gun to his head abby arid said you say that or you're fucking out because <laughs> there's no way because i believe feige knows what a good script looks like that is some you know toe the party line shit i don't believe that uh, that's why I really I wanted to build it up so we know what we're dealing with, and then it's like because I, I I read it a couple of times when I when I was doing my research I was like did he really say that? I've got quite a few worst lines to show off and we do our awards, so I can tell you right now this is a very weak script. Yeah, especially in light of what the MC is doing right now, I'm like. Dude, in light of like what what else was happening at that time, I mean, Spider Man had a great script, X Men Two had a great script, Daredevil did not have a great script. Blade Two had a great script. Yeah, these are awesome movies. I go back to constantly. Daredevil, I unpack every few years just to see if I really do remember it being a decent movie. Movie, <laughs> I'm like maybe was it good? And usually I'm like, yeah, kind of, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> So now, uh, at this at this point, they're getting ready to finally film this movie with the strongest script Marvel has ever received. Jesus. So in it, initially, like many, like what fucking DC CW shows tend to do now, well, they film because it saves money. Fox One filmed this in Canada for the same reason, save money, right? Yeah. But between some excellent, fairly excellent points made by uh, the film's cinematographer um, in that uh, they he wanted to shoot at the arcade building in downtown LA uh, because he said it really evoked the look they were going for, that gothic feeling and stuff like uh, from the, the comics that they were adapting, particularly yeah. the storyline. He said fit the tone there better. So between that argument and here you go, here's your first point of getting ready to show Ben Affleck. And Affleck's disinterest in film in Canada, because I think he had just filmed something there, uh, the studio was convinced to shoot at Arcade Building in downtown LA instead. Yeah, I know nothing looks more like Hell's Kitchen, New York, than Los Angeles. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a good idea. 
God. That's so weird. Daredevil is such is so centric to that neighborhood that like that just seems like such a such a jab at the character. Right? I just love how mainly won't convince fully. And then Alex like, look, I just don't know we can't. All right. See Los Angeles. That's so weird. Just be like, I was just in Canada, so yeah. It's so stupid. It, uh, yeah. I was like, oh, it looks like Ben Affleck struck at a young age. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. started- he's always been a douchebag. There was just a brief moment where there was like, you know, there is some good in you, but no, he snuffed that. <laughs> yeah, he, he snuffed that real good. Um, and speaking of the the look for the film, uh, like I said, um, they opted to use some direct scenes actually from the comics. So they were um, really trying to adapt from it. They were most noticeably getting a lot of their stuff from the Guardian Devil storyline. That's uh, what I got. Uh, specifically, they even pointed out the scene at the very beginning he's holding on to the cross is lifted mm-hmm. directly from a panel from the comics. So they were doing a lot of that. So, you know, to their credit, like what was, I could say the script kind of sucked. It seemed filming rise, there were people involved that were fans of this character were trying to make something good. I just don't know what the hell happened. I think I have a feeling. But yeah, there's, you know, I'm, Kevin Smith was there. Sure, he was like, I know Daredevil. I'll give you some pointers. I read these comments all the time, man. <laughs> yeah. So. Now, there wasn't much on the post-production or anything, so now we're pretty much getting to the release. So, uh, film was, if you actually look at it, somewhat of a box office success. It was not a flop. Um, critics weren't kind, though. Um, as you said earlier, they considered a gold brooding origin story that fills bringing the new to the genre. They're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Especially when there was so literal coming out that to me it was like you could you had it it was almost handed to you to do something new and different so it wasn't that much coming out and this was like no we'll take we'll take the safe road um regardless though the box office did guarantee an announced at the time sequel and a spinoff film that did come out called Electra. um it would also get uh based off the critical reception and also i guess some i'm sure sounds like some not so happy feelings on the the director's side um it would get director's cut director's cut uh released on home video which included over 30 extra minutes um this is a version that has like you were saying earlier has been much better received by both the fans and the critics um with actually a lot of people considering it the best example of a of a director director's cut improving a film and what director's cut should be doing i hear a lot like this is like the gold standard what to do with a director's cut yeah i'll second that it's considerably different to the point where like i don't even really bother with theatrical edition anymore like if i'm gonna watch daredevil this is what i'm gonna watch the director's cut yeah so and you don't hear that half and off i mean you have it with here you have a little rings obviously is a very famous example of the extended editions being far superior but usually like in my experience especially in a horror fan admittedly a director's cut just means like hey we put more gore in that was cut for uh, rating purposes. It's never really anything significant. Or in the case of Rob Zombie's films, it means a rape scene gets added that I didn't need. 
Um, and that's not a, that's not a dig. Let me know that I do like Rob Zombie films because I feel like he gets a lot of flack. And I gotta put that out there. Got that? Um, uh, strike that from the record, please. Okay. I will stab you. <laughs> <laughs> but that said, it is weird that like the unrated cut of one of the differences in the unrated cut of how his version of Halloween is a. It's a fucking rape scene for Escape. That was like, I, I think you could have just kept the theatrical Escape. It's it's okay. Um, but yeah, so yeah, gold standard apparently. But uh, well, I did have that brief moment of success there. Electra comes out and flops horribly. Um, fans hate it. Critics say it. it's to the sake of one of the worst comic book films ever made. So with that, plans for a sequel ceased immediately, and unfortunately, the character went dormant on the uh, on the on the screen. Not in comics. He obviously had a continued successful comic run, but he did go dormant on our on our TV and movie screens. Um, but as I stated earlier, the Man Without Fear has seen a resurgence in popularity thanks to the extremely successful Netflix show, and the again that very well received very. I know for me in the theater, it was a fucking on opening night, a like I couldn't hear what they were saying, like fan freakout moment. But yes, his appearance and his brief cameo in Spider Man No Way Home um, really got fans excited. The fact that Charlie Cox has stated numerous times that he's not done with it yet, so there is more plan for the character. Um, all this equals is that, you know, yeah, this film may have kind of derailed a little bit, but hey, the future is bright for the Red Devil right now. So. Yeah, feels good. Feels good to when it's all under one umbrella, you can kind of just, you know, pick and choose and play in the sandbox however you want. And I love that Marvel has that capability now for the most part. I know there's that weird rental agreement with Sony that's still fuzzy, but everything else is is safe at home for like the first time ever. So feels good. Yeah. I I do remember and I thought it was funny, like how when the Netflix stuff was happening. They were like buying the carriage back. I do remember like the, the fucking fan out crowd line about like, don't get rid of Charlie Cox. Like it was like a big push to be like, no, keep him, keep him, keep him. And the fact that they listened and went, okay, we hear you. Like we really like him too. Like we're going to keep him and he's going to be our daredevil. That was awesome. Cause I, I do remember like the, the fan out card was huge to keep him. Well, my favorite thing about the MCU is how receptive Kevin Feige is to the fans. Like he listens to what they want. He listens to what they don't like. He tries to mend mistakes and he tries to do what he imagines the fans would freak out with. And I, I love that. He's done that since the beginning and he shows no signs of stopping. I mean, you know, obviously if you're listening to this on Friday, Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness has come out and I'm sure he's blown our minds yet again. I was about to say, yeah. And I mean, depending on you watch during day, Connor, you've already seen multiverse masks and you're seeing it Thursday. I'm seeing it on Friday, so I will either be getting ready to watch it, watching it, or have watched it, depending on what time you listen to the podcast. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but that's all I got, really, for this movie. Like I said, the production stuff wasn't too bad. It was a lot of, like, getting there. A film that came out in 2003, but literally started its production process in 1997. I was hoping to hear, like, more people who were considered for the for the roles, but I guess it's just was Ben Affleck like the first choice. I didn't see a lot of names on people that were considered. 
for the roles of Daredevil. I will relook it up real quick, but I didn't see many under his his name. Well, I mean, everyone here is you know pretty established. I'm sure it wasn't tough to get all these guys on board. Superhero movies at the time were starting to be you know noticeable as big hits, so makes sense. But okay, you got to imagine, we... yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, you're going to get mad. God, you're going to get mad. The first name that pops up. Vin fucking Diesel. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my. He turned it down to take a role in the Fast and the Furious. Thank God for that piece of shit movie, because no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I like the first Fast and Furious, but okay. <laughs> I like the simple times of the franchise. <laughs> I, I, I'll i just watch Point Break. It's the same movie. Yeah, but this one has DVD players and fast cars. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was VCRs. Like or like fatback TVs. It was something super. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It was something really outdated now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay. So that was Vin Diesel, young Vin Diesel. Um apparently got revealed that he was the role. Sorry, you tuned out there. Who? Uh Guy Pierce revealed in in a twenty eleven interview that he was offered. Yeah, he would have been good. I can see him. Yeah. Uh, he said he turned down because comic strip stuff isn't really my cup of tea. Oh, is that true, Aldrich Killian? Didn't know that. <laughs> claims. Um, also, unsurprisingly, Matt Eamon was offered the role. They really wanted a Boston Daredevil. <laughs> yeah. And then... The last two names I have are Matthew Davis and the guy who would ultimately play Bullseye, Colin Farrell, was also actually offered Daredevil. Who the hell is Matthew Davis? Good question. Here, I got this one. <laughs> he was on the Vampire Diaries and Legacies. Oh. He's in Legally Blonde. Okay. Oh, Blood Rain. Now I know why I've never heard of him. <laughs> yeah, okay. He, he, he looks like the guy who could who'd be offered this role. The Vin Diesel one really got me. The fact that he turned it down so he could do the Fast and the Furious, like, god damn. Although on the opposite side, like if he if he'd taken Daredevil, would that have been enough to rid the world of Vin Diesel? <laughs> or would that finally give me the fucking Riddick sequels I want? God damn it. <laughs> Yeah, if Fast and Furious never happens with him, maybe he puts all his energy towards a Riddick franchise. Maybe we're on like yeah. the, the eighth or ninth Riddick movie now. Yeah, he's, he's trying harder in Riddick, but then when it gets to the point where he's not trying as hard in Riddick anymore. Because <laughs> I really, I stand by it. He tries hard in the first Fast and Furious, but as that franchise went on, he is just there. He's like, I don't give a shit anymore. This is going to make a billion dollars. Don't care. With all the CGI and stuntmen, he's barely even there these days. Yeah, apparently he showed up to the new one out of shape. That was one of the other things I read about. 
that pissed Justin Lin off. He's not Marlon Brando. He doesn't get to do that shit. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> they had like their fights. He showed up late on set. He was not bothering to remember his lines. <laughs> That's funny as hell. I I love that just Vin Diesel shows up on set with a gut and no script. And is like, let's make Fast 10. <laughs> like, yeah, I get why Justin Lin quit. Yeah. Uh, God, what? How is it on the one about with Ben Affleck? The first being on the bed with Ben Affleck. I say first because it's certainly not the last. Look at his filmography. Um, um, with Ben Affleck, and somehow we found a way to get Ben Diesel involved in this. Turns it down for Fast and Furious. He's in a fucking Marvel movie as a goddamn talking tree. Like, what? What kind of weird connection is happening right now? I couldn't tell you. It's Vin Diesel's just kind of always been there. He's he's like the like the one like mildewy spot on the bathroom wall you can't get rid of no matter how many times you clean it. <laughs> he's gonna be there no matter what you do. So you might as well just learn to live with it. <laughs> yeah, God, I wish I had got to look up who else they approached for this role so that's why i didn't have it in my in my script but wow i looked it up holy shit yeah that was that was entertaining uh, ah. crazy yeah well i don't know how we are going to top the rest of the show with that revelation of Vin Diesel's fucking daredevil i want someone to do fucking fan art of him in the costume so goddamn bad can you imagine half the lines he says throughout the movie dear <laughs> god <laughs> oh i can just picture him like he, is he gonna have hair because that alone would be unnerving he just has no hair he's bald bald and blind and he's wearing like a wife beater and a, a chain with a cross like it's just dom toretto <laughs> with glasses on <laughs> And what is this movie about? It's Daredevil <laughs> avenging his family. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> oh, the weird, the weird rabbit hole this has caused. I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Um, unless we have any more fun to add there, it's uh, time for the awards. Unless you have more. Nope, I think we've covered it. That was... That was great. I don't think we can top Vin Diesel on that one. Um, <laughs> so let's start our first one. The Zack Snyder, the worst scene. I knew what this was immediately. This is one of the worst scenes in comic book, maybe movie history, because it's so weird and unnecessary. It's the playground fight. I almost between... heard this sound. I'm so glad I changed it. It's so odd. It's like, first off, he grabs her wrist when she refuses to tell him her name. So, like, straight up, you know, assault there. And then she starts attacking a blind man. So, like, they're both monsters. And then they start having this weird sexually charged fun fight in a kid's playground with a bunch of kids going, fight, fight, fight. It's so weird and just I out of place. I, I don't like it. It's, it's stupid. Yeah. I, it's really, and look, don't get me wrong, like, Jim Grinder's hot, but like the weird obsession he has with her, 
in this, and I'll get into it later with number four. It's just it's not like ever like explored enough. So no, he has like a two. moment of like Ghostbusters, like Ray's like, listen, you smell something. Like yeah. that's what it made me think of when he just like smells like, oh, she's about to walk in. Yeah, like, like I said, like look, like I said, I'm watching going like, I mean, gosh, she's hot, but I want to go this fucking far with it. Jesus Christ. Um, and that he like follows her. To the playground, they have sexually George Fry. I think fall, almost followed by a damn sex scene. Not too long later in the movie. No, it's it's pretty rushed. Like she stumbles onto him walking around and is like, and he just goes like, "Hey, I want to show you something." He starts talking about, um, asking questions about her dead mother, and she's like, "I'm gonna go." And he's like, "No, no, no, it's gonna rain." Then it rains, and then they fuck. Like there's no through line. It makes no sense. There's no cause and effect with their relationship. Yeah. It, yeah, and this scene does nothing. It's just a weird scene. It doesn't do anything so like okay, cool. They both know how to fight. Like, all right. It's not like it's. it's I mean, this is like what she's fresh off her TV show time. I think uh, Alias or whatever when she did this. So it's like she's already had all this fucking fighting training. We know she can fucking fight on camera. So okay, cool. Well, it is also funny just how quickly she is willing to fight a blind guy. Very quick. <laughs> she was, I think, generally astonished. I was blind. Yeah, he's fine. Oh, she she kept asking him, like, "Are you sure?" Like, there's no way because he kept saying, you know, like that guy ran that light and things like that. Yeah, there, there's a lot of scenes in, that they say where I'm like, "You guys realize he's blind? He's blind, right?" Like, like it's a stupid dialogue there, but. Who's that meant? Um, for me, it's also a fight scene. Because I actually, I worked out, okay, look, I worked on every single fucking fight scene in this movie. It was not a good fight scene whatsoever in this goddamn movie. Um, but the one I went with, but I did take away the playground one, thank God, was the climactic, the climactic church fight scene between Daredevil and Bullseye. It's shot horrendously that nothing makes sense. Half is it's fucking horrendous looking CGI now. It, it's it's like first off again just like you said with the rush romance this is a rushed fucking rivalry that happens just out of nowhere really so there's no stakes there's no nothing it's just me kind of going all right get on with this fucking fight i don't care just i'm at the end of the movie let's go like i yeah terrible fu- it's just like i said it's a it's terribly shot like horrendously shot i cannot stress that enough i want to see a behind the scenes of Colin Farrell gathering the glass pieces because there's no way he, you know, that's CGI, but I want to see beats like behind the scenes footage of him going like <laughs> waving his hands around like a maniac. <laughs> that would make me laugh. Uh, I have more to say about the church fight later, but yeah, this is a, uh, it is out of nowhere. There's no connections that make any sense in this movie apart from Daredevil and Kingpin. And even that is incredibly rushed. Mm-hmm. Um, again, director's cut. All this shit's layered out much better. Um, yeah, the church, the church seems so odd. Uh, I'll I'll save my bit, but yeah, good good pick. Yeah, like I said, I'll save my bit about the rushing and through. I'll save a lot of that for um, coming up. Um, so with that, before we get into, let's get into our Ed Wood worst line. Our lines. <laughs> I have three because the dialogue of this movie is fucking horrible. I had three run down, then I just stuck with two, but yeah. Uh, 
My first one comes from the bar after Jose Casada gets acquitted and uh, they notice some dude in the ceiling. And instead of, I don't know, maybe shooting him, Casada asks, what do you want? And Daredevil goes, justice. <laughs> and chucks his club at Casada and everyone starts shooting. Really? Justice? We're really, we're doing that? And it's not it's played cheesy. for laughs. Yeah, it's it's fucking cheesy. And Ben Affleck, I'll get into I'll get into that in a minute. Is horrendous in these line deliveries of trying to be tough. Yeah. Uh my next one is also from, from Ben Affleck. It's when it starts to rain. And as we all know, when it rains, blind people can see. Um he's yeah, that was so so weird touch. He looks at her and he says in the most unconvincing way possible my god you are so beautiful it's a terribly written line and the delivery is twice as bad and somehow that gets gets her into bed not only that somehow you're supposed to believe that this is the film they met on in real life and got married and had like two or three kids this was where they fell in love and I couldn't believe half the fucking romance that was being played out yeah, there's no chemistry, and yet somehow they've been they were together for like 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, question: When they boned, did they bone in his like water coffin, or does he have a mattress in there? I don't know because the water coffin thing was weird. I was like, why is he sleeping in that? Earplugs work just as good. Yeah. Is if he if he like rolls in the, in the night, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, I. There's a lot of things they add in this. I'm like, why did you add a water cough with just earplugs? But I thought they, they to me, and the show, again, so you can, I won't keep bringing up the show, the show handles it so much better. Well, yes, his other senses are heightened, but not to this outrageous degree that it is in the movie, where it's like, if I recall on the show, he honed his senses to do that, whereas this movie says, no, his senses just fucking went, boom, we're going to hide, dude, because you're blind. Blind. How does he function in New York City? It is always loud in New York City. How does he? How is he a lawyer? How is he walking around and not in constant agonizing pain? I I don't know. For some yeah. reason, when I said you're blind, I I, I kind of just kept thinking of a uh, Anchorman too. <laughs> I'm blind. I brushed my teeth with a live lobster. It's like you'd be able to tell. I'm blind. <laughs> damn it. That's great. Um, and then my my third line comes from the fight between Daredevil and Elektra, which is also just kind of rushed and out of nowhere. Um, when he is trying to reason with her and he goes, I didn't kill your father. And she just goes, liar. In this weird, breathy delivery that was like, no, take two, Jen, take two. Which I mean, you've been doing a TV show, I this for a couple of years, but this is the movies, all right? We need you to do better. I feel like Mark Steven Johnson was dealing with four pretty high profile people and he was reluctant to tell them they weren't doing that great. Because <laughs> that happens. You got a rookie director, he's not going to tell Ben Affleck that he sucks. Yeah, Ben, you're doing great. <laughs> I believe in you. <laughs> My boy, Blue. I don't know why I just went old school there first. 
Pulling, pulling. <laughs> That's back at uh, when I worked at Draft House. They had a, a sign in the break room that said uh, it was the Mitchapalooza sign. From like, I, I love that. I just look at it, Luke Wilson's stupid face every time I took a break. <laughs> uh, good times. Uh, was that your was that your last line? Yep, those are my lines. Okay, I have two. Uh, one. My first one is also delivered by Ben Affleck. It's in the 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 one courtroom scene we get. The one time we see them be lawyers, and um, his closing line to the the dude on on trial is a uh, for your sake. I hope justice is found here today before it finds you. Right in front of a judge, too. That's a blatant yeah. threat in a courtroom. Yes. <laughs> Not only is it like an inc- yeah, it's an incredibly blatant threat. Completely against something that Matt Mordark would actually fucking say in court. Also, it's just bad delivery. I I feel like I did a better job in that moment than uh, Ben Affleck did. Yeah, that's a good pick. There's, again, I know I keep harping about the director's cut, but we do get a lot more scenes of them in a courtroom actually doing lawyer stuff, which is nice. You know, we need that balance. Uh but yeah, it is weird that this like little tiny, almost like tra- like like a trailer courtroom. It, it, it was a weird looking courtroom. And yeah, just, just being so aggressive towards this guy right in front of the judge. It's funny to me. Yeah. It, yeah. My other one is made by Mr. Pantoliano. Mm. As, as Ben, he says at the very end of the movie, and it's a simple line. It's go get them, Matt. The reason I put this shit on here is because there is no goddamn establishing of these two being friendly enough for him to say this. In an hour <laughs> and 42 minutes, we barely get a fucking scene with these two. And he just stands out there going, we did a good job, Matt. You know what? Go get them, big guy. We did it. You and me, together as a team, crushed it. Get out there and go get them. Go get him, Tiger. Yeah, he said that was a better line. He says it out loud too, like loud. I'm like, okay, so don't may not say his name also. After you have the scene prior where he's establishing, like, you know what? The world doesn't even know he's Matt Mordock. Let him be Daredevil. Let him be the red devil hope for this city. And then he just goes outside where anyone can hear it says quite loudly, go get him, Matt. I'm like, no, just say Daredevil. What if someone heard you, you idiot? One thing, I don't think the director's cut even has that. Any establishment between Ben and, and Matt. But I love Joe, Tip, Joe Pantoliano, so I let a lot of that slide because I really like him. I uh, like him, but if you want to get a line like this, there needs to be some establishment of them together. I agree. I think I just realized something. I don't... Do we ever see Daredevil actually save anybody? No. He's just beating criminals up and then just going home. He's not, no one's getting arrested either. He's not really doing anything. Yeah, and even then, like, Pantoliano's character isn't, isn't really doing a whole lot of trying to figure out who it is. Like, we had a couple of scenes where it's, like, kind of established that he believes in the Daredevil, but no one else does. Even though there's the, the fucking, he throws a goddamn cigarette in the D, the, the double Ds pop up, and I'm like, so how are the cops going to sit there and say, like, no, there's not a daredevil out there? 
He literally sh- flicked his cigarette onto the evidence. <laughs> it was on the first double days Ben Urich's throwing a cigarette at. Uh, but also, that was an incredibly huge breach of the crime scene. He should not have done that. <laughs> you can't set a crime scene on fire like that. What if, like, he actually set a cop on fire doing that? Like, someone that was inspecting that area? <laughs> he was stepping on, he stepped on the gasoline, just goes, oh my God. But yeah, there's a lot of witnesses of Daredevil, you know, who got their shit, the shit kicked out of them by Daredevil. And why is this such a crazy premise? Uh, but yeah, it is, you know, Pantoliano just kind of stumbles onto because Daredevil leaves his stick at a crime scene. And Kevin Smith figures it out. Really, it's Kevin Smith who figures it out. Yeah. And then apparently that was enough for them to have enough of a friendship for him to go, go get him Matt. And for fucking Daredevil to act like he heard that shit. Head knife. You got it. Because you know what? We're a team. You're my boy. <laughs> You're my boy, Blue. It should have been like we never got like anything with Foggy, anything significant with Foggy finding out or having anything to do with the main story. No. Again, all these things the show does amazingly well. Yeah. It's funny. Also, Yurik writing up that story had absolutely zero proof to back this up yeah plus it's like let's just be honest matt ordock is a lowly fucking lawyer they are filled lawyers like that is the whole fucking premise behind those two of foggy and matt it's like they're not really like the most successful lawyer business so <clears throat> with that who would really give a shit <laughs> yeah good point yeah, it's not like this is gonna ruin anybody or even pot i mean yeah, I don't know. Most people be like, "Who? Who the fuck is Matt Murdock?" And also, <laughs> like, he's gonna be dead pretty soon because Kingpin's gonna burn that place to the ground. He's gonna kill Foggy. He's gonna murder everybody he knows. Yeah, so it's like there, there's yeah, and I mean, this isn't like you're not breaking it open the ward like Bruce Wayne is Batman. You know, like this isn't it's not that level here. Or like in fucking okay Iron Man 2008 when he was like, "I am Iron." Yeah, Tony Stark was a very public figure. Like, but Matt fucking Murdoch, really? No, no one gives a shit. Except also, Kingpin. where is the establishment that proves Wilson Fisk is Kingpin? When does when do the cops ever come to that conclusion? Because Daredevil finds out from Bullseye, who's too talkative, and then he goes straight to Fisk. So, how do the cops come to that conclusion? Because it's not like Bullseye is talking; he got hurled out of a church window and into a car. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, in the director's cut. There's an actual investigation, and it's <coughs> who figures all this out. He's an important part of the story. I'm telling you, man, that's the one to watch. You're really trying to hype up this director, Scott. I just can't believe how different it is. Like, it's barely a movie, the theatrical cut. It's so much got cut out for a reason I can't figure out. It's they tr- they trimmed down an actual movie and gave us like a quarter of one. It's so weird. I've never seen this kind of disparity between a director's cut and a theatrical before. It, yeah, I got to watch this director's cut one day to also attest to this. Because, well, yeah, I, again, it wasn't, I couldn't find out why they cut so much. I don't know what the studio was thinking. I think I'm going to, I think we're going to do direct, the director's cut of Daredevil on the Filmgasm podcast at some point. Not like, it's not soon, but I'm, I'm going to put it in the book because I'd love to revisit this with the director's cut so I can show you the difference. Okay, I was about to say, give me a goddamn break. I just yeah, we're not doing it like next week, but like maybe like you know next spring or something. 
yeah okay so yeah there's certain films i, I want to do on film gas okay there's my pick i'm so anxiously waiting to do it's coming all you gotta do is wait i haven't shuff- shuffled anything around it's just time my friend time you just wait just time <laughs> all right now for our steven seagal also known as the worst performer first performance former performance pick one. Oh my god <laughs> it goes hand in hand really in this movie land the plane damn it oh much like harrison ford no no i will not <laughs> jesus um so i think we can all agree ben affleck is terrible in this movie but i had to give it to jennifer garner Oh, okay, so we don't have the same. Okay, cool. I was about to say, I thought we had the same, but okay. She is so horribly miscast as Electra. And Electra is supposed to be this, you know, this Greek assassin who's been trained by, you know, the hand to be this killing machine. Movie Electra is the daughter of a Greek billionaire who just overnight learns how to use the psi. Uh, it's her chemistry with Affleck is terrible, which is ironic considering they fell in love for a while. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't get why she, Electra, the movie is one of the few comic book movies I have not seen. Cause I, I just never bothered with it, but I know I'm not going to like it because I don't like her as Electra. It's yeah. I think you know, the character is supposed to be Greek. She's so not Greek. Uh, yeah. I think she's terrible. And I think her, her death comes out of like, it's, it's just so sudden that it's like, you can't even get to know her really as this version of the character. All you, you know, she's just Matt Murdock's girlfriend for most of the movie. And then when she becomes the assassin, she's dead in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'll, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, she is miscast. And the thing is, I don't even think like she's a terrible actress. I've seen something that she's good in. And I'm like, oh, okay, she's getting this. Um, like I said, I, I, the, I, the, I remember as a kid, all I thought was like, oh, she's hot. And that was it. Like, I never, because I did watch the Electra film because of it. But even as a kid, I went, oh, she's hot, but this movie is terrible. I never watched it again. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it's just funny that, like, they have no chemistry, but they, they were in love and married for a long fucking time. Um, it's just, yeah, she's not not the person I would have picked. I've seen her on stuff where she is good. I, you know, she doesn't do bad in the fight scenes, but she's not Electra. Um, I actually really like the trick they got for the TV show. I'm liking her a hell of a lot better. Um, Elodie Young, I think her name was. I think so. Yeah, she did a she did a good job. I liked her quite a bit. Yeah, she was good. I didn't think she was written that well, but I don't think they've gotten that right yet. No, on. I will say that I, I still thought the relationship was handled better because instead of saying, hey, they just met, it's, no, they have a shared history and we're just picking up from that. And I was like, that can work. That works. Because now there's already established history and we're just seeing where they're at now. Cool. Yeah. Instead of, you know, Matt smelled her in a coffee shop, followed her into the <laughs> into a playground and assaulted her until she told him her name. Yeah. No, it was, <laughs> no, we've had, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take the shows. Hey, they had a history. They were, they were once a thing. We're picking up and seeing how it plays out now, which worked out way. That part certainly did work out 
decently well compared to yeah what they gave us here. Um, but with that said, I did not have time for Connor. I went with our other our lead star Ben Affleck. Figured. I I'll say it right now. I don't hate him as Batman. I don't think he's terrible there, but he's not good here. I I don't believe half of his lines are trying to be intimidating. I, we barely see him as Matt Murdock. What we do see is this weird version that sleeps in a fucking water coffin. It, I am just. He's a vampire. He's a vampire. Now I'm just thinking of Nicholas Cage. I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, this is just. He's not good. He is terrible, in my opinion, as. as uh, Daredevil. Apparently, he knows it because he has zero interest and in ever had after the film came out, he had zero interest for the longest time doing a comic book movie at all. And I was like, no, thank you. Don't ever fucking put this suit on again, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I don't know why I saw that. I thought that was so funny. Um, I do find it ironic that he waited so long to do another superhero movie. And then the movie he does is Batman V Superman, which I hate worse than this. Yes. And he blames for his, his shrinking problem. <laughs> wait, wait, wait to pick them, Ben. <laughs> Batman and my kids and my bitch ex-wife. That's why I drink. <laughs> Not you, JLo. You're perfect. <laughs> oh, God. A mess. What a mess. Funny as he says that, but I've heard Jennifer Garner is actually a pretty nice like lady to work with, and JLo's quite the fucking diva. So it's interesting that apparently in his head is that his wife, ex-wife is the bitch, but not JLo. I bet she just told him, like, could you not drink in front of the kids? And he's like, here we go. <laughs> just I bet that's what happened. <laughs> she some reasonable request that he exploded into a crazy argument. It's like him just sitting there watching TV on his like tenth beer in front of the kids. And she's like, Ben, he's just not drinking in front of the kids. And he has that reaction right there. I just feel like while he's drinking, every time he swigs, he's just staring at his kids. And with every drink, he's he keeps getting more intense. The stare keeps turning, it gets turned into a mad dog and the point where he's just glaring at his fucking kids. I, I can't imagine. He's 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 a complete mess. And I really hope he faces these demons and wakes the fuck up. Because there was a brief bit where he was he was really good. It was while he was with Jennifer Garner that he was a, seemed like a decent dude. Yep. She she kept him in line for so long. <laughs> Apparently, uh, drinking and gambling just was too much. Dude just keeps ping ponging between two Jennifers, like a good one and a bad one. How does he keep doing that? How does he pull two fucking Jennifers? And again, look, folks, never go back to your ex. It does not work out like it did for Ben Affleck. Well, it's early yet. I Let's see if this actually does work out. This is true. They could, honestly, they could be in, like, the honeymoon phase again. So all it is right now is just constant, like, cuddling, spooning, mushy-gushy, fucking like crazy. And once all that stuff dies down, they're like, oh, God. Yeah, that's what happened the first time. <laughs> I'm sure they fucked great, but then reality set in, and suddenly Ben Affleck realized he was with a complete bitch. So I'm sure, I think that's what's going to happen again. Because yeah, the I mean, engagement didn't work out the first time, 
So, you know, that's the phase we're at now. So I, I say, let's see what happens by the end of the year. <laughs> Affleck realized he was with a complete bitch. JLo realized she's with a complete D-bag of a human being. Like <laughs> she's, she's marrying a, a walking Jack Daniels bottle. And he's just going to be I'm just picturing him like outside Jennifer Garner's house being like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, baby. Just waking the neighbors and everything. Matt Damon's waiting in the car. <laughs> it's like, Ben, not tonight. It's not going to work tonight. <laughs> oh, oh. I love how just entwined those two are. You have someone as douchey as Ben Affleck is somehow friends with Matt Damon, who by our accounts I've heard I've never had I have not heard bad things about. Uh, Matt time Damon. he's like, I just learned that using racial like using homophobic slurs was a bad thing. I'm so glad I'm learning. Minus that. <laughs> Work wise, <laughs> I've heard a lot of people say pretty good things about him. So. Yeah. It's yeah, like we all have that dickhead friend we're, like, who we grew up with, who we'd ride or die for. Well, I don't because I don't surround myself with like, toxic like, people like uh, that. But <laughs> I was like, I, I've never understood that trope. It's like, uh, was it horror film slashers, especially? It's always the dickhead friend. I'm like, all right, I need you, I need you horror writers <laughs> to go look in an actual group of friends and realize that in real life, if you have a dickhead in the group, they usually don't last long because people get tired of the dickhead. Yeah, <laughs> I just yeah I I'm I feel like Ben Affleck's relationship has become such a core part of our show's fucking canon that I just I want to see how this plays out simply for the laughs. Plot twist: <laughs> Somehow he he leaves Shayla and convinces Jennifer Gardner to get back with them. I think it'd be funny if like somehow he ends up like shacking up with Jennifer Carpenter. Or like Jennifer Morrison or Jennifer Goodwin. <laughs> That's his type. That's what he's going for. <laughs> oh God. All right. Now that we've had that fun. <laughs> let's talk about the Michael Bay who has worked with Ben fucking Affleck. <laughs> that is- um, and the worst. That's my favorite exchange. Yeah, on a, don't know Pearl Harbor was the movie I'm right. I was thinking and, Armageddon. Yeah, that's right, Armageddon. Well, they did yeah. both, Armageddon and Pearl Harbor. We worked with them twice. I just love the the um, commentary exchange where Ben Affleck's like, you know, I asked Michael Bay, why is it easier to train drillers to be astronauts than just train astronauts how to drill? And he told me to shut the fuck up. So that was the end of that. <laughs> It's just perfect. <laughs> Can you imagine you're like you ask that question, you get so shut the fuck up by director, you're like, oh well, okay. <laughs> just go study the script more. Pra- yeah, I'm gonna go Call practice my lines. Mean. Sure. Yeah, I can see the flask, Ben. <laughs> oh okay. Oh. Serious this time. Michael Bay, first filmmaking decision. What do you got? I have a feeling we're in the same ballpark here because mine are the rampant inconsistencies throughout this film. Yeah, uh, I put I put rushing. 
I, I had specifically that time rushing through the Daredevil Electro Romance, yeah. just with the hopes of works playing due to how well known as the comics. That just said, really, that's how this film rushes through everything, just in the hopes that, hey, you read the comics, you're going to know this stuff anyway. And it's like, fuck you. This is the movie adaptation. But uh, yeah, so yeah, same ballpark. For me, it's, it's just like, take the church, the church fight, for example. Daredevil limps in there through the ceiling because he just got stabbed by his girlfriend and he's bleeding out. Bullseye shows up. He gets up and just starts fighting with no, like like nothing ever happened. He doesn't receive medical attention or anything. He's just all of a sudden not stabbed anymore. <laughs> like that bugs me so much. And there's shit like that just peppered throughout this whole movie because it's so rushed that they don't bother to give you any time to think about anything. Uh, yeah, like okay. why can Daredevil just, you know, why is a train rushing past him, you know, freak him out, but just walking through New York City, which is fucking loud. I've been there. It's loud. Why does that not cripple him at every moment of every day? Yeah, I'm about to say, there's people constantly talking and vendors yelling out shit about their food products. And it's like, yeah, it's like, it's fucking loud. And I'm in New York. I've heard stories about how loud it is, all the noise and stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Like another one in the fight against Jose, Jose Quesada in the, the, the bar, all that gunfire, nothing, nothing's going to, nothing's affecting Daredevil. Guns are loud. Yeah, and they are. He would. He'd freak out. He, we've established that loud noises freak him out. Oh and, yeah, there's also the weird inconsistencies in how they portray his uh, his stuff, his um, whole abilities. In the sense that, like, we'll have random scenes where we'll hear shit in the background that he's hearing with no fucking context. It's just like, oh wait, why does it sound? Fu- oh, we're getting his hearing right now. How it is he able to? How, how is he able to hear very specific? like conversations over the noise of the city that's never explained how come a sense like acute sense of balance gives him the ability to flip like 20 feet in the air well like i said that kind of and that's why i said we're on the ballpark because i have like the fact that like no this is established because they rush through everything um like i said the daredevil like romance uh the fact that, like I said earlier, with the whole we'll give them mat line after there's no establishment of these two ever fucking interacting. Um, yeah, we never see them do fight. Like, they, they're just rushing. Like, yeah, go, 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 go. Like, there's just nothing. There's no, the whole fact that he's so adamant about finding out the guy who killed his dad, right? That doesn't ever get brought up again. It's like the end of the movie, and then he goes after Kingpin. But before that, there's literally no scene of these two meeting at all. Yeah. How does how does Kingpin even know Daredevil's coming for? I love that line, like I'm from the Bronx, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> but when he just starts like stripping, he's like, I'm a fight Daredevil now. Like, how does he know that's happening? It ugh, such a such a waste. Yeah. No, I've I've learned as I'm gonna nothing bugs me more in a movie than a film that doesn't want to explore stuff. Like, and no, I'm I'm not saying that there aren't films I can pull it off. So they're just like, oh, we're not going to expose now, but it'll come up in a later movie. But like, the, like films like this, where it's like, it's very clear that like, it's just them not exploring stuff and hoping that you are just going to go with it. And I'm like, no, I'm not, because you're not taking any time to establish anything. What really bugs me, and we this has happened with a lot of films we've covered on this show thus far. I hate movies that break their own rules. Like, why establish rules if you're just going to ignore them as the film goes through? 
like with Daredevil, you know, loud noises panic him, and then to just have him be around loud noises the whole movie and not do anything. Yeah, it's like if um, you take a film like John Wick, right? You do all that building about how badass of an assassin he is throughout like that first like thirty minutes of the film, and we get to the big climax, like the first gunshot, and he's complete like shit at it. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I was just told this guy's a badass. Why does he suck? Yeah, what I love about John Wick is that, like, when he gets wounded, it matters. Like, he has to go staple himself shut or go see a doctor and get that shit sewn up. And then he continues slightly wounded. Like, there's continuity in that franchise because they yeah, well, care. <laughs> they care. And that's why I kind of, that's why I said, like, it's like, if, like, imagine had they not done that and they, then you would have something like this where it's like, Okay, why is he suck at fighting after we were told he was great? Wait, why is he still going even though he got stat? Like, what? Yeah, it's like literally like the polar opposite of like, this is what you get when you care and you try and you want to establish your continuity and your rules. Then you have this. Another another one I, I wanted to bring up, that scene where Bullseye gets shot in the hands and he's like, oh. um, why did that sniper shoot through the stained glass window? I don't know. And also... Was there a gun that could actually see through stained glass fucking windows in 2003? Did they have x-ray scopes? I don't think so. <laughs> Do they have that now? I, I'm legitimately not like amazing with guns, so I could be off, but I don't think there was guns that powerful to, shoot, uh, to see through stained glass windows. Well, I'll tell you one thing. If there is, the NYPD do not have them. This is true, too. Yeah, why is the fucking police force have a gun like that? <laughs> well, they just... I don't, they didn't know where like Daredevil and Bullseye, they knew they're in the church. They didn't know where in the church they were. That dude was just taking a, taking a, a chance and shot through a church. There was no reason for that guy to shoot. No, there wasn't. And why did Bullseye freak out so much about his damn hands? Like, I get it. Like, you're Bullseye, but yeah, that'll heal. You didn't lose your hands. You just got shot through them. You'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be fine, big guy. Again, the actor that played him in the show, again, they did a better job of establishing him in the show. Oh, you didn't see that season. Oh, he pops up in season three. Holy shit. The guy they had to play Bullseye? Fuck me. Yes. But you will get pissed because the same way they like do their fucking cock tease in the, this one, they did a fucking cock tease and what would have probably been a, a whole for season four, but then the shit got canceled. But All right. Tell me this. Do we get Bullseye in costume or do they call him Bullseye? No, we get him in costume. All right. Do they call him Bullseye? Yes. Okay. It's, an, right. it's like another case for like Kingpin. It's the same like thing, but done better. Where Kingpin's like, I need to get someone to take Daredevil down. He gets reference to Bullseye. And he's like, oh, okay. And Bullseye comes in and like they have a dude, they have this really kick ass fucking scene where I forget why Daredevil has to go in and get some people out of the like this police precinct or something or this his buddy his friends are there and bullseye fucking comes in and they have like a brawl in the they have like this brawl and it's so fucking epic it happens like halfway through the season they built up these two characters and they're inevitable fucking showdown and like they see each other daredevil walks into the middle of the room staring him down bullseye walks into the middle of the room staring him down like the fucking lead up it's like you're getting it they're fucking duking it out and like, oh my god, it's good. Like Bullseye's throwing shit at him. You know, Daredevil's trying to uh, block it. And like a, you know, a little fisticuff. Like it's 
it's a kick at I'm telling you, man, season three, like I, I get it because season two was like, I'm with you. And season two was like that first half of uh, Punisher was fantastic. And then, yeah, the hand stuff lost me. But season three was like I put up there season one. The quality was just so fucking good throughout. Okay, I'll probably I'll probably watch it. Do it after cool. yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, dude. They're they're fucking out. Yeah, their brawl in season three is like this is like it's again, it's just like again, getting people that care, right? They know what they got, they know, hey, we're it's not chasing save them bullseye because Marvel fucking fans are doing that shit. But we got this guy playing bullseye, he's doing a great job. You know, we built it up, we know what the fans want, they want a showdown at some point. Here's the showdown. Let's fucking go. Let's make sure we deliver. Sounds no. good. All right, I'll 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 keep you updated, but I will probably be watching that in the summer. Okay, yeah, keep me updated. So I don't I don't mean to keep plugging it, but yeah, I I keep forgetting I haven't seen season three, and season three is so goddamn good. Um, that's it. Let's talk about server linings for this this again theatrical cut of this film. I'll help you out. Theatrical cut of this film. Yeah, three words. Michael Clark Duncan. He was a perfect kingpin, and I regret. I, I, I regret big time that we didn't get to see more of him, um, especially interacting with Daredevil because he was just intimidating. He was huge. Is he was definitely like you felt like this guy ran New York City. It was a vibe he gave off. I loved him as Kingpin. Mm-hmm. And then also Colin Farrell. I thought he gave a ridiculously over-the-top performance as Bullseye, but he's so committed to not giving a shit that it works. Like, he's so nuts and just, I love it. So those two guys are my silver lining. They they keep this thing interesting for me. I'll give you that. Yeah, I feel like those two kind of knew what movie they were in and delivered. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, yeah, that's what I felt. Um yeah, I mean, Bullseye is just so over-the-top crazy in this. And, Colin Farrell. and what I like is that I would say this was when Colin Farrell, like, was trying because he was, you know, fre- he was a little bit fresher. He's acting. This was one of a, an early role of his. So he was trying a lot harder. But then I've seen now, I've seen fucking Batman and even an established Colin Farrell is willing to go for it. So apparently when he gets a comic book script, this man is willing to go all out for the fucking movie, which I love. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um and then I guess, you know, I'd also like to just real quick plug the soundtrack because this soundtrack is pure 2003. Oh, wait, wait, before we continue plugging, that's my server lining. Ah, great. Look, as cheesy as this is, and I know we joke about it all the time, we make fun of it because this was the era of like, we're going to do every like action and horror film in the early 2000s going to get a rock metal soundtrack. <laughs> look, I'm a sucker for these songs. It's nostalgic for me. I'm a big, you know me, I'm a big fucking metal head. Um, love metal and rock. So, yeah, even if these are like, you know, we mock these songs, we make fun of them. There's a part of me that gets nostalgic when I hear this stuff. And it, look, yes, bring me to life by Evanescence. It's your fucking stereotypical radio rock emo song. We all know it. We've all fucking sang to it a little bit. Don't fucking deny it. Um, but part of me kind of smiles. It's a subject the moment I hear it playing the movie. I was researching my uh, what's in the box. I was listening to to Evanescence, <laughs> just for for ambiance. Uh, it's not even that's not the only song they play. Two Evanescence songs in this movie. 
Yeah, unironically, which is impressive. Um, when we did the uh, the orphanage this past Wednesday, uh, when I was plugging Daredevil, Christian got really excited and he called. He loves this soundtrack. He called it Stepdad Rock, <laughs> which I loved. <laughs> well, what but, I love uh, about a lot of these bands they picked is that it obviously wasn't big bands like Slipknot, right? They weren't hitting that because they were costing too much at this time. They were huge. But they were like, hey, that band Fuel that's on the same fucking record company that's not selling <laughs> nearly as much. Do you want to be on this movie? And that's how they would do it. They get all the other little bands and put them over. I dude, hang on by Seether sets the stage so well of just Murdoch waking up and it's like, oh yeah, this is, this is gonna be that kind of movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But yeah, I Bring Me to Life will always be associated with this movie. Like it's it's you know, and then my immortal at a funeral, really. <laughs> Could, I, could I you be more on was, the nose? I didn't know that one was on there until I was watching the movie, and I was like, are they really playing My Immortal by Evanescence right now? And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. This is the movie I'm watching. It was funny. For me, My Immortal, I associate it with Daredevil, but I also associate it with Smallville. Because there was it was playing in a scene that was so poignant and significant between Lex Luthor and his father. And I was like, oh, my God. And then Evanescence started playing. And I'm like, oh, you killed the mood. You killed the point here. Because it was such a great moment of like, I didn't kill my brother. You hated me for the wrong reasons. And Lionel being like, if I'd known, I'm sorry. And then Evanescence starts playing. And you're like, oh, there goes the point. (laughs) What if they just, they only played Bring Me to Life during that scene? That's just the one Evanescence song they play. It's a really poignant scene. And then. Bring me half of the letterbox reviews were just wake me up, wake me up inside. Can't wake up, wake me up inside. Save me. Oh, it's the most 2003 song of all time. Pretty sure Underwood had this playing at one point as well. Like, this was on like the soundtrack for Underwood or something. Like, I haven't seen Underworld in a long time, but I believe you. It just feels like that belongs there. Was there in the movie or like on the soundtrack? But I feel like they were attached to that movie in some way. I wonder if it was in the trailer. Probably. That's a good spot for it. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, this soundtrack is so unique to 2003 and keeps this film firmly rooted in the early 2000s. It's never going to live beyond that. Any like horror film now or action film that I watch in the, that's from the early 2000s, the moment they play any kind of like song like this, like any like this like rock stuff, I kind of smile. I'm like, oh, yep, there it is. That's that's what I was rating for. Because at the same time, like, like on a quick little, like I guess quick little soapbox, admittedly, you know, I can admit that metal and this type of even this type of rock music has not been nearly as mainstream in more recent years. It's really kind of fallen out of favor in more like things like pop and uh uh obviously rap and like country have taken over a lot more you know it is what it is you know whatever but when this came out like this shit was like a lot of it you talk about but it was on here because a lot of it was huge like this was mainstream stuff like it was being played in the movies you heard them right like 
it had its place like pop and stuff has its place like it was big so there is a part of me that does get nostalgic it's just like at the time being like oh hey at one point we had it we had some kind of thing saying like yeah we're big too and now <laughs> we don't i don't i can't remember the last no okay malignant and now it's james bond uh but like other than that that opening credit scene was malignant like i can't re- tell you the last action or horror film that was like let's pick a metal song let's pick a rock song to play like it just doesn't happen as often anymore well i wonder if because it was so overdone in the 2000s that it's like become almost cliche like if you if it happens you're gonna be like oh come on really right and that's probably it sometimes like it happens i'm sitting there going oh god we're doing this oh please please rise above (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I like the soundtrack, but I don't like the songs. You, you know what I mean? Like, it works for the movie, but I'm not going to listen to any of these songs outside of Daredevil. Look, I have most definitely listened to Bring Me to Life outside of Daredevil, unironically. I did in middle school, but I grew up. I still do. <laughs> the shits and giggles. You know, that's what I'm doing my work. I'm a blast. Bring me to life as I'm having my morning coffee. It will be kind of fitting. <laughs> what has Evanescence been up to? Uh, they, I think they recently came out with like a new album after like a long time being inactive, but I could be wrong. Good for them. I'm glad they're still trying. Oh, uh, all right. Well, I think we had quite a bit of fun going down the memory lane. That was early 2000s. Um, <laughs> Rock soundtracks for films. Oh, yeah. So now let's move on to our next segment before we wrap it up for tonight. Find out what's in the box. What's in the fucking box? Uh, as I said, a lot of these were basically just wake me up. But I weighed, <laughs> I, I, I wove through some of these and I found five that made me laugh. I hope they make you laugh too. Uh, so by the way, one? Who's saving anyone from waking up? <laughs> this has a 2.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd, which is one of the lower ones we've talked about. Interesting. Yeah. Is this a worse movie than, say, like The Island? I don't know. I, my, my perception of a bad film is starting to warp because of this show. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't have Robert Davi asking for a blowjob, so... That is points lost already. You know, I did feel Daredevil was missing something. That's that, that's probably it. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, this is from Quinny. Ben Affleck crawled, spitting and throwing up to the finish line so that Charlie Cox could full on sprint. And I respect that. Two stars. <laughs> A lot of them were just reviews of the TV show because they had nowhere else to post it. I don't really give a shit about the movie, but the TV show. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of that. <laughs> uh, and that's, this, that is my one thing, quick side note about Letterboxd. Yeah. It kind of bugs me that I can't rate fucking TV shows. You can. You just got to do what they're doing and just put it somewhere that has fuck all to do with your review. Yeah. But like they, the only ones that post are the MCU uh, Disney Plus shows, because I guess those kind of smaller scale TV or movies. I don't know. It's weird. Well, they, 
it's movies and miniseries that they'll post. So that's what it is. That's how they skirted it. Okay. No. Um, number two, this is from Theo. Rewatch this with the intention to fill a nostalgic void and for some popcorn afternoon fodder. Now halfway through showering myself with Netflix's Daredevil to rinse off this bile. <laughs> Not even so bad, it's good. It's just super duper bad. Laughably bad, but the laughs are scarce. Didn't know how to handle Daredevil, so just made him Batman. Like an extended Naughties MTV music video, except it clocks in at a painful 105 minutes. One star. God. <laughs> I didn't think the 105 minutes was painful. I'll say that much. It didn't move at least enough for me. Yeah, moved way too goddamn fast. (laughs) That's the problem. (laughs) Uh, This one's from Donovan. This movie is horny but flaccid at the same time. Two stars. (laughs) Yeah, good point. Everyone wants to fuck, but it's PG-13, so no one's going to get that. No one's no one's getting hard today. This one made me laugh. This is from Tim Brazalkala. It wasn't me. It was a hitman named Bullseye. Two stars. <laughs> Another horribly delivered line. Ah, uh, forgot about that. Yeah, there's like nothing he does to truly make that believable and convince her. Just, it wasn't me. I swear to God, I know it was my weapon of choice, but it was not me. It was bullseye. I don't have evidence to back that up. I know I was there and fleed from the scene. And also, when you ran out of bullets, stayed to linger and stare at you and then left. I was like, admittedly, he did run at first because she started shooting. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, Yeah, but A, she's a bad shot. And B, we saw him dodge some machine gun fire at the beginning of the movie. That's true, too. <laughs> Um, and this last one, this is from Ginger. Everybody involved with this movie is going to hell. One and a half star. <laughs> Harsh but fair. <laughs> yes. Very harsh, but also very hurt. So I'm I'm Josh, I'm watching Josh's cat, if anyone's wondering, where he is currently serving our, our country, and I'm his cat came to me for love and attention, so now I'm holding on to his cat. <laughs> if we told you where he was, we'd have to kill you. Yes. Um, but yes, I did like that last one. That was good. Yeah, funny stuff. Uh, I love doing this part because the, <laughs> the hate boner some people have for certain movies, it's, it's hilarious. And I love getting to just see a bit of that. Oh, yeah. It's funny. Sometimes like people get like into it. I'm like, Jesus Christ. It hurt them. It's almost like the movie like killed a family member of theirs. I'm like, Jesus. I tend to avoid the like nine paragraph essays that are on there. But sometimes if it's just a lot of resentment, I'm, I might throw one of those in. Yeah, some people get, it's like they have too much time on their hands. So, like, I'm going to write 5,000 word essay on just how much I fucking hate this film. I'm not working for the next week. I have the time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, some people don't have a bad movie podcast where they can voice all of these concerns. (laughs) No, that's where we come in. Yeah, exactly. All right. Is that everything that's in the box? That is all that's in the box. It's all that's in the box. I like it. Some good stuff. 
I like that. Charlie Cox could run. We got a lot of people. It's just like this one sucks. The show's way better. I'm saying, um, fun. <laughs> with that, uh, before I reveal what's going on next week, uh, as usual, I'm gonna clean up with the social media stuff first, so you can follow us. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Filmgasm Productions. Uh, if you want to shoot us a recommendation, feel free to email email us at filmgasm@gmail.com. If you would like to donate and support us in that way, you can find us on Anchor. And finally, we have a website that you can get on at any time, filmgasm.com. We have reviews, shows, articles, and all of our episodes. Next week, <laughs> we'll be tackling one of the most notoriously bad comedies by probably one of the most divisive comedians in fucking comedy history. Freddy got fingered. I tried so hard to get this one pulled because I just don't want to watch this piece of shit, but I failed. Yeah, because I'm not doing a Friday 13th on here of that franchise. So. (laughs) (laughs) Well. Freddie got fingered. Tom Green. Oh boy, here we go. Yeah, on a I've better seen... note. Yeah, good. <laughs> I'll say on a hopefully better note, because I haven't seen this, but hopefully it's better. On Filmgasm, uh, we'll be getting to the spirit of the upcoming new take on the King um, Tell by discussing the original um, adaptation, 1984's Firestarter. Um, I have not seen it. Hopefully it will be lot, it will be better than when I have to sit through Freddy Got Fingered. Yeah, I liked it, but it does have a lot of problems. Namely, and I'm going to stress this every opportunity I get, George C. Scott plays a Native American. Did they brown face him? They just gave him black hair. <laughs> on Oscar Sunday, <laughs> on that note, on Oscar Sunday, uh, they will also be getting into the spirit of a certain upcoming Sam Raimi superhero epic. Not going to name names. You should know this little film called Dark Strange Multiverse Madness. Uh, by looking at an Oscar-nominated film of Raimi's called A Simple Plan. Yeah, can't wait. I have not seen that. I'm going to watch it soon. I'm excited. I am excited for y'all. I am Admittedly, not as well versed in things beyond his horror and um, superhero output with Sam Raimi, so I do need to watch the stuff outside of that, big time. You haven't sat through the masterpiece that is Oz, the Great and Powerful. No, I have sat through that actually. What a forgettable movie! Yeah, I forgot that I sat through that movie. <laughs> yeah, everyone forgets about Oz, but I won't. I'll never forget. I think it's over. Uh, finally speaking of sam raimi i'll say preview that little film i just mentioned we'll be discussing it the first new mcu film of the year dr strange and the multiverse of madness oh yeah yeah anyone that's about to say we'll do spider-man 2021 i'm getting real tired people thinking spider-man no way home it's goddamn 2022 film December 17th. Is that a thing? I've seen some people say it. Like, 
they're like, oh yeah, Spider-Man. I'm like, no, it, it came out in December. You guys didn't see it until January. They kept it in theaters for so long how good it was doing. Well, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I'm, I can't wait. I love Marvel. Every like every film they do is an event. It's exciting. And this one looks bananas. So I, I'm, I'm psyched. I can't wait. Sam Raimi coming back to do a horror film, a fucking Marvel movie. Like, oh my God, yes. Yeah, combining his bread and butter right there. Yes, cannot <laughs> wait. Um, but until then, don't be messing with the blind. Not only is it just rude, they might be a vigilante. You can kick your ass. See you all next week on Beyond the Bed. Thank you.